Hi, welcome. I have no idea how to start this other than to just say hi and welcome. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabrielle. I'm a 24-year-old living in South Carolina. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist. And I also just love to learn and talk. And so here I am. My cousin actually said something really inspirational to me, which kind of gave me the courage just to be here and do this by myself. Um, And she said, you know, I think this is your art. And I was like, whoa, that was such a powerful thought to me of just, you know, I think a lot of times with things like this, people are very concerned about how they'll be perceived and their reputation and whatever. And for me, it's just like, I love listening to people's perspectives. I love learning. And then I love teaching and the new like phrase I've been using in my life is being an uplifter. And so as long as that aligns with my core value of uplifting, then just like sharing whatever I want, I can feel confident in that. And here I am. And it just sounded fun. And so here I am. Now I'm a podcaster and welcome. (laughs) And I hope you enjoyed this first episode. We're going to jump right in. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about 11 ideas that changed my life. Okay, so number one is actually the next tattoo that I plan on getting, and that is just simply perspective. You've probably heard it before, and I'm going to synthesize it to you because I live every single day thinking about perspective and how it is literally everything. Perspective is life. Let me present to you this kind of spiritual idea that has been really mind-opening for me, and that is that you and me, and every person that exists. We are a function of the universe. So what does that mean? That means that we are something that was created out of the source, the God, the infinite universe that existed before we came out of it, and yet we are experiencing it, right? So the same world that birthed us that created DNA, sorry if you can hear my air conditioning kicking on, the same world that created DNA and has sun and light and water and all the things that you need to survive is the same world that created you and now you are experiencing it. So you are the universe experiencing itself. And when you can have that perspective and know that you are connected to all things, that you are deeply and intimately a part of everything and everyone around you for me that's god for me just to know that like there is god and source and light in me that made me and also made you and that we are so connected more than we could ever be disconnected that's god and then to just further on that perspective point i think whenever I'm feeling down or I'm feeling an emotion that I am not wanting to feel or make bigger, then I always think about expanding my perspective. I go big. I zoom out of the universe, out of the universe, that's not right, out of the earth, I mean, into the universe. So it's kind of like I'm looking down on myself as just a human living on this earth, living on a planet in an infinite universe, and it really helps me put my problems and my worries and everything into a perspective. And then 
when things are really good and really joyous and I'm like, this is life, man. This is why I'm here. This feels amazing. This feels like my purpose. This feels like love. Then I zoom in and I try to narrow my focus, breathe in every detail of that moment and just like savor it and remember that like that is what life is. Life is perspective. What you see only exists because your eye is there to see it your brain is there to interpret it and you have control over what you focus on you have control over the standpoint of which you view things and how you ultimately synthesize them and incorporate them into the story of your life and that has changed my life so we're starting out with a banger perspective number two Now, number two is a song lyric, okay? And (laughs) the song lyric in and of itself is not that groundbreaking, but let me just read it to you and then I will explain. So (laughs) the song lyric is from a song. Hold on. Let me look up the name of the song real quick. Okay, I found it. It is Who Are You Kidding by Matt Schuster. And the lyric is, it's crazy how the grass grows and the seasons change. And you're probably like, that's not that crazy of a quote. But for me, for whatever reason, that that quote in that song, and I think when I was listening to this song, I was going through a breakup, a big life change. I had been betrayed by someone and I was really grappling with like, what, like, how am I going to get through this? And that song, and that line, it's crazy how the grass grows and the seasons changed, just reminded me of all of the other times in my life that I was facing something that seemed so big. It seemed so painful. It seemed like it was going to last forever. And then I'm like, wow, look how much time has gone by. Like, it is crazy how fast the seasons change, like how fast life changes. I feel like I was in college yesterday and I feel like I was in high school two days ago and I feel like I was a kid last week like how does time go so fast nothing is permanent life is seasons and that whole idea of like if you cut the grass aka you go through like some kind of transition or some kind of event and then you sit outside day and night and you watch that grass and you hold up a microscope to it and you are like heavily, heavily, just you're so attached to the grass growing, it's going to feel like it takes forever for the grass to grow, right? There's a, I think there's even an expression. It's like trying to watch grass grow. But if you can release it and detach and focus on other things, then you're going to turn around and you're going to be like, oh my God, look how much time passed. Look how much the grass has grown. And I just like to carry that with me, especially to help me get through the hard times. And just once again, all of it goes back to perspective of just like remembering how fast life goes and this too shall pass. Okay, number three, I am not entitled to anything or anyone. And oh my gosh, like like truly sitting in the knowledge that I am not entitled to anything or anyone has been uncomfortable and also so freeing, right? Everything that I get, everything that comes into my life, I feel immense gratitude for. I realize that it is a blessing. It's not something I'm entitled to. 
it helps me set boundaries because it also, whatever you, you know, whatever you believe about yourself will be reflected back to you, right? So knowing that I'm not entitled to anything or anyone makes me feel a lot more confident also knowing that no one is entitled to anything from me, right? I can always set a boundary. I can always remind myself that I care for people, but no one is entitled to me, my body, my time, my energy, if it does not serve me and doesn't align with me. Number four is from one of my favorite books of all time, Changed My Life. It's a short read. I recommend it to everyone. The Four Agreements. And specifically the agreement, don't take anything personally. He explains in that book that just like kind of we talked about in the beginning with perspective, everything that everyone is doing and thinking is always a reflection of what's going on internally, their experiences, how they are perceiving and making sense of things, and their response to you is always going to be clouded by whatever is going on in their life. Therefore, how they respond to you is a reflection of them, more so than it will ever be a reflection of you. Specifically, he gives this example of your mom, right? And he's like, in theory, your mother who birthed you, brought you into this world, spent more time with you, you know, probably than most anyone else in your life, you would think like she knows you so well. And yet, how much does your mom actually truly know you? Like your deepest, darkest secrets, know how you think in a moment-to-moment basis, like there is so much about you that even your own mother doesn't know. So any judgment or any response that anyone ever could give to you could never truly be about you. It's always going to be clouded by their own experience and specifically their experience of you. They will only ever experience you through their eyeballs. So every response that is coming to you, it's filtered by their entire lived experience. So any response that they give to you is never truly about you. It's about them. And then vice versa. However you're responding to people, it's never truly about them. It's always filtered through you and in your own mind. And that moves in to number five, which is that you are your own home. Specifically, I got that phrase from a podcaster that I really like named Peyton Sarton. And she talks about her process of developing her self-concept and just knowing that she will always belong to her. And I think that's so powerful just to always remember that at the end of the day, you belong to you. Your opinion of yourself is what will help you sleep at night. Self-concept is only formed through your own eyes. You will only ever experience yourself through your own eyeballs. And other people can reflect love back to you, but if it's not cultivated and it's not nourished internally inside yourself as you being your own home and your own safe space, then it's going to be hard for you to see it and understand it when it's coming to you externally, if you're not accepting it internally. Hopefully that made sense. I know there was a lot of big, <laughs> big uh, fancy words in there, but you are your own home. You should be the safest 
space for yourself. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, grow. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm all about the growth. This is what we're doing right now. We're talking about all the ways that I've grown and learned and all the things that, you know, I still want to work on. But learning that my own forgiveness for myself, my own grace for myself, my own patience for myself, my own uh, gratitude for myself for lack of a better word, pride in my own accomplishments and who I am and liking my own energy is how I'm going to be the best version of myself. If I am fighting myself inside, how do you expect me to reflect and give the maximum amount of love to other people? It's just, it doesn't work that way. You have to be your own safe space first. And Here we go. Number six. This is probably the lesson that I've learned the most painful way. Um, yeah, just through, through romantic relationships. It's something I had to learn the hard way, guys. And let me share it. Let me share it to save you a little pain and tribute trials and tribulation, whatever the heck I'm trying to say. (laughs) Ah, you can tell I'm getting nervous. Okay. Um, number six is that love is not saving someone and love is not being saved. I have been both in my dating life as a young 24 year old in my past relationships. I have both been the savior and the one that wanted or needed like to be saved and learning about that dynamic that is essentially codependency looking outside of yourself for someone else to complete you or looking for someone else to complete so that you can feel needed is not love. It's attachment. It's bonding. But it's not love. In the four agreements, he talks about love and how love is not feeling pity for someone. If I love you, but I don't respect you, then I don't really love you, right? If I love you and I'm trying to control you, then I don't really love you. I love something that you're doing. I love what I, I'm, I'm not loving you as an individual person with autonomy. And if I'm also choosing someone who I think I need to fix or save or needs to be different, I'm not really loving myself, right? I'm not being true to myself. And I'm, it's not for them either. So just learning the difference between working on a relationship and, you know, the interactions and the partnership, like building that that you have with someone versus trying to solve emotional wounds through another person, trying to heal yourself completely through the use of another person, like completing you or solving a problem for you has been a little bit tricky, but I'm starting to learn it a little bit. (laughs) Like, I think a piece of that is now just, like, when someone doesn't align with me completely, just have enough, like, faith and standing in the knowledge that if I'm trying to fix you or I feel like you're trying to fix me or change me, then we're not, that's not true love and we're not aligned enough. Um, probably to be in a long-lasting partnership of the kind that I desire and just like letting that go and letting potential be potential, letting people be who they truly are. And like one thing that's been so freeing to me is giving myself permission 
to love people that I'm not partnered with. And maybe this is a controversial, I don't know if this is controversial or not, (laughs) but just like even people that I've like casually dated, like being like, I love and appreciate so many things about you. I think X, Y, and Z is so cool. And also at the exact same time, doesn't work for me. Like I can fully respect that you are adventurous. I need someone that's a little more settled to fit with me being adventurous because like I feel loved and cared for and safe when I have a partner who's able to like help take care of the details that I'm not able to take care of and who takes joy in my adventurous nature. And if we're both running around like chickens with our heads cut off, then like that's not going to work. But I still, I can still love that about you and I can still love you as a person and still know that you are not the right like life mission partner for me. And that's okay, right? And in that, that is still love because now I'm not putting an attachment on you. I'm not putting expectations on you and I'm not trying to change you. I'm saying you are who you are and I love you for that. And at the same time, maybe we're not compatible for a partnership. And that's so freeing. It's so freeing when you're able to make that distinction. It's truly just like, helped me not shut down emotionally and yet still make the hard decisions that I need to make because it's not about feeling or caring for a person anymore. It's making both sides line up, the logic and the emotion. And it's helped me release attachments also. So that's number six. And that takes us into number seven, which is one of my personal favorites. If you know me, you know that I am personally responsible for probably at least I'd say a thousand people. That is not an exaggeration. A thousand people taking a personality test. I have gotten like entire classes in school to take the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram. I've like, I mean, (laughs) I'm just going to expose myself here. I um. It's one of my prompts on like dating apps whenever I'm on those. And I mean, it's just so funny, like <laughs> getting to have like all the different responses from all the different people and they'll like tell me what they are um, and or they'll like ask me where to take it and then they'll go take it and then they'll tell me what they are. And and it's just funny because it's just it, I just love it. I love to study it. Um, my favorites are the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram. I'm an astrology girly too. And so um, quickly, just in case, just in case I have anyone else who likes these things, I'm going to tell you what I am, okay? I am an eight wing seven on the Enneagram. That means that emotionally my core desire is to be in control of my own life. And the mechanism through which I usually accomplish that is through the seven wing. And the seven is all about fun and adventure. So, Yeah. Maybe that's true. Maybe you can see it. I don't know. I can see it. Um, And it's helped me learn a lot about like what really motivates me. And a lot of times when I'm really triggered, I have to slow down and then I can use that knowledge about that, that knowledge about myself, that my core desire is to feel in control of my own life. And then I can figure out like, okay, what about this doesn't feel safe to me? Where do I feel like I'm losing my autonomy and control? And like, how is that making me now feel triggered in this situation. It's just brought me so much self-awareness. And then for the Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENTP, which means the way that I make 
uh, decisions in my life. First, I use extroverted intuition, which is just means I look out in the world and I take in information and I look at patterns. Wow, it's almost like I can see that right now in this <laughs> uh, podcast where I'm just like telling you about all my observations and all of the knowledge that I've gained and how I'm making it into patterns. And then after that, I use introverted thinking, which means I rely on my own internal logic processes. And then after that, I use extroverted feeling, which means then I rely on the feelings and emotions of others, which I think if you know me really well, you know that I have a pretty strong empathy, um, even though sometimes I'm like silly about it. Like deep down, I will like, if you're crying, like I will cry and feel your pain I will, I will physically feel your pain with you, like fully, deeply in my core. Like I will feel hurt. I can't even watch videos of other people getting injured because like I feel it in my own body. My empathy is so out of control, um, which actually made me, I think kind of, wow, I'm really bearing my soul right now, but (laughs) it made me actually a little bit meaner when I was younger because I was very defensive. I didn't know how to like process the fact that like, I, I was feeling other people's hurt and it kind of made me like resent that and push people away and be kind of like more standoffish. And then as I've gotten older and I've been able to like integrate that and become self-aware, I've grown a lot in that area. And then further than that, just like learning about all of the different personality types. And it's so cool when you have someone that you're interacting with and you can have a little piece of information about them that's helpful, like knowing their Enneagram and knowing like their core motivation and what makes them feel safe. And then it makes you a lot of times like a better partner, a better friend, because then you can look at them through that lens and it gives you a helpful perspective on how to respond to them. So for example, my best friend, she's a one. And if you're, if you know about the Enneagram, those people that are ones, they like to be more, they're focused on, their core desire is to be good or to do the right and moral thing. So whenever she's feeling really stressed out, I try to help her make sense of what is the right and moral thing. That's how I can support her. And then vice versa, when she's helping me, she helps me figure out okay, what are you in control of and how can we let go of the stuff that you're not in control of? And we support each other that way because we have that knowledge. And so, yeah, I would just say for number seven, just learning about personalities, learning about yourself. Those are my recommendations as a semi-professional, I would say at this point. I uh, It's been one of my hyper fixations over the last like five years is just learning so much about personality and it's helped me so much, which leads into number eight which is learning that we all have intuition and learning how cool it is and how it is such a skill and a talent and a gift if you can figure out how to cultivate it and figure out how your intuition works for you. There are so many pieces of information that our brain is collecting all the time and we can't consciously perceive and make sense of all of the information we're receiving. Our brain doesn't have the capacity to pay attention to every stimuli it's receiving. So let me give you a quick example. If I said, you probably forgot what the bottom of your feet feel like right now, 
boom, now your conscious attention has shifted to the bottom of your feet and you're aware of that sensation. That sensation was always there. You were always picking up on the senses, but your conscious mind only has so much bandwidth of attention to give and can only like consciously be aware of so much, but there is always extra information running in the background in your subconscious and learning to like trust yourself and trust your gut and know that sometimes there are just things that you will deeply know and you don't know how you know them, but you just know and learning to trust that and lean into that is so helpful. It gives you a confidence to make hard decisions. It it, just learning how to like cultivate that deep instinctual trust in yourself. There's just something about when you really learn how to tap into your intuition, life just gets a lot easier. Number nine is that everything that you want is outside of your current comfort zone. In a very real sense, your life right now is a result of all the actions that you've made up until this point. So if you want something to change, if you want something new, if you want to grow and you want to expand, it is on the other side of doing something different outside of your comfort zone, pushing yourself a new way, challenging yourself a new way, learning something new. And when you get in a habit of putting yourself outside of your comfort zone and you build trust and you build confidence in yourself to do it frequently and it just becomes basically a habit to push yourself out of your comfort zone then you realize how it's not as scary as it seems that you're actually really capable that you're actually really able to learn and change and grow and adapt and the comfort zone isn't all it's cracked up to be we are so scared of other people's perceptions but And that's why I kind of address the other stuff first before this point, because I think you do have to learn that you are your own home. You belong to yourself. Perspective is everything. The seasons change. No one's entitled to anything from you. You have to learn all of those lessons to then make yourself comfortable enough to fully step out of your comfort zone and do something for you without that overwhelming fear of rejection or judgment, because you know, at the end of the day, your opinion of yourself is what matters more than anything. When people are on their deathbed, they don't talk about all the things that they wish they wouldn't have done. They talk about all the things they wish they would have done. They talk about all the things they wish they would have tried. They talk about all the ways that they wish they would have been braver and just seized the day and just gone for their dreams. And that leads us perfectly into number 10, which is that manifestation is very practical. In a very real sense, a lot of the principles of manifestation are actually just like psychological principles and things that we've proved in other ways. And I think it's kind of funny how we like pit them against each other because they're kind of like, so, okay, science is, stay with me here. Science is a language. Science is a language based out of math, which is a language, which is based out of like literally words, which is a language, right? So, okay, let's take, okay, we all can conceptualize like words are a language. Words don't really exist. They are ways that we describe things that exist. 
same with math. Math is like the number one doesn't actually exist. It's a descriptor of something that exists. And then we make it into a concept. Okay, hopefully I haven't lost you here. But (laughs) all of that to say, so science is made up of objective language and math. So it's just describing things that exist. I think sometimes get really wrapped up in like people get really wrapped up in like, well, is it science? Is it scientific? And I just want to remind them like literally science is a language to describe the things that actually exist. And so when spiritual people are describing things that exist, they might be using different words and a different language to describe it, but we're all describing the same reality. Oh my gosh, I hope that made sense. I hope you guys don't think I'm crazy. I promise I'm like sober and whatever. I just love philosophy and then I like love it all and I synthesize it all together. So anywho, back to my main point. Number 10, manifestation is practical. There's something called the confirmation bias, which means that something that you believe your brain will be biased to look for information to confirm that already existing belief. Does that sound like manifestation? fake it till you make it, not fake it till you make it, but like align with that energy and act like the version of yourself that you actually want to be. And then you'll see the evidence. Yeah, it does. Like manifestation is practical. Everything is first a thought before you bring it into reality. You are the creator of your own life. Everything that you want, you want it because you think in the having of that thing, you will feel an emotion. So everything you want is never actually truly about the thing itself. It's about the resulting emotion. So for example, if you want a brand new car, like a sports car or something, you want that car because you want the feelings that you will feel with it. You'll feel pride. You'll feel cool. You'll feel confident. Well, to be a person who has the funds, who has the means, who has the job that would afford them the ability to have that car, you usually have to have a higher paying, more professional job, right? What aligns with that? Oh yeah, confidence, feeling like worthy, like all of those same emotions that you're attaching to the car are actually just what you want to be. And once you are those things, then things such as the car will naturally come into your life. Because when you're a confident person who feels worthy, then you put yourself in worthy positions to probably be successful and make more money. And then with that money, you have access to things like that car that reinforce your belief of who you are. So that's my point on manifestation. Moving on to the last, number 11, and most important, self-love is everything, and you've heard it before. It's not any groundbreaking (laughs) news, but let me give you my take on it. Self-love is literally the energy and the fuel that gives you the ability to serve others. If you grew up with a mom who Every time she looked at herself in the mirror, she criticized herself and you internalize that as a child and we, we mimic adults. That's how we learn as children. And so you start thinking those thoughts about yourself. How are you going to look at someone else who doesn't fit that idea, that, that standard that you hold on yourself and look at them with non 
judgment and pure love. And I don't mean to say that just because you're not fully loving yourself, then you're like hateful to other people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the same eyes that view and criticize yourself also look at others. If you've ever noticed, a lot of times the things that make you the most triggered about other people are just projections of your own insecurities. It all starts internally. If you are speaking kindly to yourself, you are more likely to speak kindly to other people. If you are oriented to love within yourself, you're going to orient to love within other people. And it brings me all the way back to that first couple things that we talked about with perspective that when I realize that I am God, I realize that you are God. When I love myself, I can love you because we are all intimately connected. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you were able to get a little nugget out of this. I chose the number 11 because that's my favorite number, 1111. I have a tattoo of it because my mom always loved 1111 and the whole like make a wish thing when she was growing up. And then I was born at 1111. So she always told me like, if you see 1111, it means you're going to have a good day. If you see 1111, uh, it means one of your wishes is going to come true. And so I chose that for myself. Like, I want to see 1111 every day. I'm going to put it on myself. Like, is it 1111 or is it the thought and belief behind it that makes it so powerful? And so anyways, all of us say that's why I chose 11. And I just really appreciate anyone who takes a minute to listen to this and just know that you are worthy. You are beautiful. You are love. You are light. You are here for very important reasons. Looking forward to whatever we're going to talk to next. Maybe we'll talk about something a little lighter in the future, but I just had to start off with a bang. I had to start off with like something really true to me. And like, if you think that this podcast is anything different than my internal dialogue that goes on in my head, I got to tell you, like genuinely, this is me. This is what I think about day in and day night or day in and day out. What what am I saying? Obviously, I need to be done with this now, but (laughs) um, this is what I think about day in and day out. Like, I'm obsessed with philosophy, self-development, psychology, all the things. I'm an, I'm a therapist with children. Like, I, this is my passion. So, um, we might touch on these topics again in the future, and yeah, I hope you go and have a blessed day. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon.